Money appreciates in value over time so that individuals can plan their future knowing their wealth will be protected. This leads to market participants' time horizons lengthening, creating more investment, more entrepreneurship, more productivity, and increased living standards. This boom in entrepreneurship is what ultimately drives humanity forward. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan, and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the show. This is Bitcoin Audible, and I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. And we have got a uh, fun little read. We're going to take a break. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to talk about the future. You know, I don't like the... Like, well, that's not true. I love the utopian fantasies about what a Bitcoin future looks like. But this... Despite the fact that this one can seem crazy when you're looking at the world today, I think this is a perfectly reasonable vision of the future. Um, it's a short little piece by Corey Clipston, who is the, uh, the CEO of Swan Bitcoin. Now, everybody apparently, or at least half of the people out there think, I am the CEO of Swan Bitcoin. I am not. I don't work for Swan Bitcoin. Like, I've Worked with the team in the past for like a hot minute and I've tried to help out on some things in the past, but mostly I've just been too busy and I just love the team and I love the product and I use Swan Bitcoin all the time. So that is, that is literally our relationship and they sponsor the show. You would not believe how many DMs I get about Swan Bitcoin. In fact, I was actually debating with this guy the other day and he sent me a DM angry like, like frustrated about our debate and he was like well i guess i'm not using swan bitcoin anymore and i was like i was like oh shit i'm losing swan customers because they think i run swan bitcoin i do not but it's okay it's okay we worked it out let's work it out he's, he's staying there he knows he knows swan is good so it's okay we're all good but cory so cory clipston wrote this article it's on coindesk um, and it's the world Bitcoin will build. And it's, it's, it's what he says is his honest vision of what he thinks, you know, like projecting out. This is, this is the vision he's preparing for. And I agree. I agree. Like this is, this is, I think, a reasonable outcome of what Bitcoin could mean for the world. So, uh, uh, you know, fix the money, fix the world. And we are going to get into it in just a moment. Really quick, let's talk about our sponsors like what, Swan Bitcoin. That's right. They support the show. That's not actually why I'm reading this on the show, but it's just a good piece. But a thank you to Swan Bitcoin. They are the easiest, best place for automatic purchases in Bitcoin. I actually bought like a good chunk today. I'm, very, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I pat myself on the back. And then, of course, you've got the fold card where you're going to be stacking all the time with all of your purchases using the Fold debit card and gift cards to a bunch of merchants. Then we've got the BitBox to keep all of that safe. Where are you going to send your Swan Bitcoin Bitcoins? <laughs> your sats. And where are you going to send your Fold sats? You can send them to your BitBox. Keep that shit safe. 
And then while they're safely in your cold storage, you're going to go to Bitcoin 2022 and you're going to get 10% off those tickets while you're at it. You're going to punch in Guy Swan in your discount code for 10% off. And I would like to thank all of our sponsors for making Bitcoin Audible my full-time job. And with that, we are going to jump in today's read again by Corey Clipston, and it is titled, The World Bitcoin Will Build. Fix the money, fix the world. The world's first and largest decentralized monetary network could usher in a more vibrant and just society. By Corey Clipston. If we're going to decide how to spend our money and time today, we need to have a vision of where we're going. This vision of the future is what I use personally to plan my time and my finances. It's the foundation of the advice that I give to my family, best friends, and closest associates. It governs what we do at Swan Bitcoin and how we invest via Bitcoiner Ventures. This is not some sort of hyper-Bitcoinization fantasy scenario that I've dreamed up, but rather a thesis for what I see as the most likely outcome based on my understanding of economics, history, geopolitics, and technology. The year is 2035. Bitcoin has become the most widely adopted store of value in the world, and is now trading at $10 million to $20 million per Bitcoin. It's accepted for goods and services throughout the world. Items in stores are priced in satoshis alongside dollars. The dollar is still in common use, but any meaningful amount of wealth is now stored in Bitcoin due to its superiority in preserving that wealth across time. The decisions to focus on security and decentralization early in Bitcoin's development proved to be correct. Despite more than $250 billion of venture funding, Bitcoin's centralized imitators succumbed to hacks, fraud, and human failings. Most cannibalized each other as one replaced another over and over again. When the dust settled, Bitcoin emerged from the great crypto bubble as the native money of the digital age. Names like Cardano, Solana, and Ethereum are mostly forgotten, only popping up occasionally as cautionary reminders of a speculative mania gone wrong. All useful innovation that occurred on other cryptos was deployed in layers on top of Bitcoin's secure and decentralized settlement layer. In the end, Bitcoin proved to be sufficient for all use cases. Its scarcity, monetary policy, and decentralization were the only traits that mattered to savers to store their wealth in it. In just a few short years, the benefits of adopting sound money backed by energy began to permeate throughout society, driving the world into a period of unprecedented growth and prosperity. The entire world's financial architecture runs on the most secure network in the world. Gone are inflation, high fees, and limited accessibility. Bitcoin now underlies a majority of economic activity. Bitcoin fundamentally changed the way humans organize, serving as the shelling point humanity accepted was better than centralized alternatives. 
Bitcoin serves as a neutral money that makes it more profitable for nations to coexist in peace rather than go to war. This results in improved relations between nations and promotes global trade. Cultures begin to blend and borders hold less meaning. Individuals have more freedom than ever before. They choose to live wherever they please due to technological advancements, along with the ability to take self-custody of their wealth. Nations compete for sovereign individuals by bettering themselves to attract these digital nomads' wealth and ingenuity. Bitcoin promotes political civility and a more peaceful world. Bitcoin mining has revolutionized the way we interact with our energy resources and the electrical grid. For the first time in history, we have a way to monetize energy that is not location-dependent. Wasted and stranded energy resources are now made productive. Producers become more profitable and can invest in long-term projects that bring about reliable, safe, and abundant energy resources, like nuclear reactors. Energy prices fall every year across the world as energy producers harness energy from cheap resources that were previously unfeasible. The electrical grid is stabilized with Bitcoin miners that can respond to variable load demand with the flip of a switch. Gone are rolling blackouts and grid failures. More humans are able to interact with energy than ever before, lifting nearly all humans out of poverty in the process. The year is 2050. Global gross domestic product, or GDP growth, has exploded to levels not seen since the 1950s, and that is reflected in growing purchasing power for the middle class, which itself is growing rapidly as billions around the world join its ranks. No longer is success determined by how close to the money printer an individual is, but rather by how much real value they create in the world. Money appreciates in value over time, so that individuals can plan their future knowing their wealth will be protected. This leads to market participants' time horizons lengthening, creating more investment, more entrepreneurship, more productivity, and increased living standards. This boom in entrepreneurship is what ultimately drives humanity forward. As more and more people continue to transact in Bitcoin, it becomes more liquid, and its price signal allows market participants to coordinate with one another in the production of goods and services. That results in further division of labor, increases specialization, and gives rise to highly efficient economic systems. The ability to reliably save means people no longer need to speculate to beat inflation because inflation is gone. There is no need to stare at charts or listen to financial advice on how to speculate on risk assets just to keep up. Individuals can save their money and their time to pursue their interests and passions instead. The arts and sciences flourish and a new renaissance begins. Individuals spend their free time thinking about how to solve big problems to provide lasting benefit for the world. Long-term projects are funded 
as people invest in the future they know is achievable. Freed from the rat race of consumption culture, a new generation of creators spend years developing their craft and produce works that last through the ages. This change in mindset leads to feats of invention and creativity unfathomable to people from the pre-Bitcoin era. That is the most likely future I see for us. Another more ominous future is still very much a possibility. A future dominated by surveillance states, central bank digital currencies, social credit scores, authoritarianism, conflict, and chaos. But we have Bitcoin, and thus we have both hope and a plan. That's why we're building for Bitcoin. That's why we're building for Bitcoiners. No one is going to make our bright orange future for us. We need to do it ourselves. The stakes are high, but where there is hope, there is a way. All right, let's take a quick break and hit our sponsor for today, and then I want to do a guy's take on this piece. And you know who our sponsor is today. It's Swan Bitcoin, which is actually, I think, out of order. But I was reading an article from Swan today, so it seems stupid not to use the opportunity to talk about Swan in the sponsor slot. Swan is where Bitcoiners buy Bitcoin. In order to build the future that Bitcoiners are trying to manifest. I want to get there. All we have to do is Bitcoin harder. And, and you do that through automatic purchases, automatic withdrawals to your keys, and smash buying from time to time. I smash bought today. I'm very proud of that. I pat myself on the back right now because how could you not? This is the Bitcoin way. Swan Bitcoin literally has everything you need. Whether you're just trying to casually buy some Bitcoin every week, I got a number of friends and family members who are doing that. Or if you're, you know, a high worth, a high net worth investor, you've got a huge sum of money, you want somebody to walk you through the entire process so you can ask questions, you want to set up a hardware wallet, figure out how to secure your keys, look at a long-term financial plan, all that jazz, you can even get that with Swan Private. Swan Bitcoin is where it's at. Check them out through my referral link, swanbitcoin.com slash guy that again is swanbitcoin.com slash guy that's my name don't wear it out and let's jump back in all right so so this was a great little piece on uh, a short one but just really good on a lot of the different core aspects of bitcoin like the the fundamental principles that underlie this and just kind of stretching it out right? Like, like place that incentive in the world. What are the consequences of that? And I don't think this is a ridiculous future. Um, I think, I think it's ridiculous to expect anything other than this. This is the future that is deserved. We should have a sound money. We should be able to plan 20, 50, a hundred years out. We should be able to hold our money and it be ours because we already took the risk. We already specialized. We already did the work. We already earned it. The idea that we have to fight to then keep it is insane. It's a basic human right. What happens to the world 
when you have a system that can actually ensure these things, you can, that can truly protect these things against any of the mechanisms of corruption that we're used to today. A small shift in something so important to society has massive effects. When you change the money, nothing goes unaffected. And one of the first thing, Corey, Corey's Bitcoin maximalist like me, you know, I mean, everybody at Swan Bitcoin is devoted to just Bitcoin. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I take that perspective too. You know, everybody knows, like, or I feel like a lot of you probably know my argument on shit coins, why I think everything is going to consolidate. But he, he talks about the great crypto bubble, like, like looking back on, we're in 2035, right? So we're looking back on the great crypto bubble and, like, what are these other altcoins and shitcoins and, and what are they are in the perspective of history when we're looking back? They're warnings, right? They're, 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 uh, they're, they're the tulip bubble. <laughs> they're, uh, they're the great crypto bubble and they're lessons about speculative bubbles and hype. But why is it, you know, for as long as these things have been around and like shitcoins and altcoins, that this market continues to persist, I think it's important to keep perspective on the time scale that these changes occur at. The only way to truly see these changes and the only and the outcome of monetary and trust-based networks, like the actual structures of how we establish the rules of society, these are 50-year timelines, century-long timelines. The Lindy effect is so critical in the establishment and the security of these sorts of institutions and systems that come about throughout all of history. These things don't change on a whim. This isn't deciding what we're going to do for breakfast. It's deciding about the rules that make society happen so that breakfast can exist in the first place. Like this, they're so fundamental that the time it takes to work out the economic pressures to consolidate on a single money, the, the trust pressures to establish the creditworthiness or the robustness of some some set of systems that is establishing rules or figuring out how we organize ourselves, the traditions that build up around those things and the establishing of those things as, as permanent fixtures of society or of a culture, they're very slow. Very, very slow. Now, we have the benefit of the internet that these things have really sped up, but it's still not something that's going to happen in three months. And the barrier that most people have to even understanding Bitcoin in the first place, the, the huge ignorance gap around monetary policy, what the hell of money even is, what its role is in society, or that it's even important. Like I talk to people still who say we should just have society without money. And I'm like, society without money is not society. You can't, it just collapses and we all die. Like you don't understand how important it is. What you're angry about is garbage money as opposed to good money but give it enough time go out 10 15 years go to 2035 i genuinely think bitcoin could be as solid a shelling point as the 12-hour clock our ability to measure and calculate value 
will be as important as everyone being able to measure, calculate, and show up somewhere at the same time. I think it's one of those things that's so ubiquitous that people don't really think about it. It's easier to see differences than it is to see the thing that nobody really pays attention to or is never really called attention to because it is just the same almost everywhere you go. But, you know, take China. China, like the there's, I don't even know how many characters in that language, and they all, like, refer to syllables. And, like, like the, the language, the, the written language and even the spoken language, like, it's tonal. So if you speak it in the wrong tone, literally words mean different things. And whereas, you know, English is a much better, like, the romantic languages are very, very different. Like, they could not be more polar opposite in how their structure is and like between like the east and the west languages but if you go to beijing and there's a you know big building with a clock tower on it it's got a 12-hour clock the numbers are chinese numbers but it's still the same clock i think the pressures that made that happen the shelling point the the lindy effect the the common the common standards that puts us on exactly the same time and the need to be on the same time to make sense of the world, to work together and to organize, I think those pressures could very well be, the ones around our monetary system could be just as strong. And, you know, going back to the idea of Solana, Ethereum, and Dogecoin, and Shiba, like whatever, like all these different projects... You know, I think we'll learn less from them in the context that they're a speculative bubble. I mean, obviously, like, we'll look back and be like, oh, my God, look at the great, great crypto bubble. That was crazy. That kind of seems like a given. But I think one of the big points that should be able, that, that we could pull from this market and what I think I see, what I feel like I have learned, at least from the crypto market, is that there are so many people who really want to print new money and sell it. They want to issue tokens to themselves and sell it. And so they try to build X decentralized project as a justification for that. And I think that is vastly more of crypto than people who are trying to build X project and have thoroughly searched through all of the different ways to do so and found that only by issuing their own token or money would they be able to create it. I think the latter situation is almost non-existent in crypto. And that's even the people who have been trying to build some sort of project for a long time and have been really devoted to it, who recently just created a token out of thin air for no particular reason because it doesn't actually affect how well the project works but it's a great way to sell a shit going and make a crap ton of money <coughs> signal <coughs> because they could make money that is all it is they're, they're printing money because it makes them money that's what printing money does and it's so hard to turn that away I mean, if tons of other people are doing it and it's working and you're a business, how could you, you know, like it's hard to convince yourself not to go do it.
the pull to create money out of nothing and how easy it would be to market it is extraordinary. Like, I know this from personal experience. I have seriously considered it over my time in Bitcoin. Multiple times in different eras of Bitcoin. I swear I think it would be really easy. I could come up with a hundred bullshit explanations that sounded really, really good that most people would buy, especially people coming into the space. They don't know what they're... They're, they're, they're looking for anybody who has some semblance of intelligence to explain something to them. I could easily bullshit them and that just create some subset of like arbitrary changes to Bitcoin or, you know, whatever big competitor, Solana or Ethereum, whatever. I'll just fork something and change anything that I could come up with a decent argument that says this is a really big deal that the way I'm doing it is better than the way they're doing it. And I might honestly, you give it enough time and you let me argue that long enough. I might convince myself of that. I don't know. I'm good at it. If I made it my focus, yeah, I could really go down that rabbit hole. I could come up with some of the best arguments for crypto. In fact, I feel like I do have some pretty good arguments for crypto when I try to steel man it. I just don't quite believe them. And the money would be so easy. Hire a couple of people to make some upgrades to whatever coin I'm trying to crap on, like the, the one I'm trying to be the competitor of. Change it just enough that I can argue it's a really important difference. And then get one of those website templates. If you ever you ever go to like one of those places where you buy website templates, there's blockchain templates all over the place. And it's the same graphics. It's the same shit you see on all the blockchain websites. I swear to God, 90% of them just build off one of those $5 templates. They're all over the place. Then I issue half the tokens to myself and whoever I'm starting the project with. We call ourselves a foundation. And then, you know, just start promoting and selling that shit. Get it on a couple exchanges. All you got to do is pay them. <laughs> it's not, I mean, literally, the the mechanisms to push this out as fast as possible and hype it as much as possible and get people on Telegram groups sharing it out and buying a couple of crypto reviews. One of the earliest things on this show was me talking about how easy it was. There's an uh, article by um, Brand Brandon? Brandon? Oh, son of a bitch. I don't know. I'll try to uh, I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes. A really old episode. But about how easy it was to buy crypto ratings. Like how the quote-unquote crypto journalism works. And that it's just a... It's literally just a, a money funneling from the next like ICO and the next... Uh, well, you know, ICOs in 2017. But I guess now it would be the NFTs and the next DAO and the next whatever. But literally that would rake in money by the millions. And literally thousands of people have done this for exactly this reason. It's just not that hard. It's not that hard to do. I've seen it done over and over again. So yeah, I've considered it 100%. I could double the amount of Bitcoin that I have right now. In fact, I could probably do way better than that. The problem is, is I've imagined this so many times and then eventually I get to this point where I realize I hate myself and I can't hang out with real Bitcoiners anymore. <laughs> so anyway, that's a long tangent about the what I think the end of uh, altcoins is going to be. Um, but, uh, you know, Corey also says, and this is something like that almost feels like a damn trope at this point. 
but uh, or at least I'm sure people in crypto see it this way, is that everything will be built on higher layers on Bitcoin. I would say everything that needs money will be bit on, built on higher layers on Bitcoin. But I think the majority of what quote-unquote crypto is trying to do doesn't need it to be built in with money. I think the token is arbitrary, like the social networks and the um, and the storage systems and all this stuff, trying to create it with its own money. I think the money is what's killing it. I, I think like these things stand alone. Like if storage is a utility, it'll be paid for. If uh, you know social networks can be decentralized, you won't need to. You won't need social network money. To use this, you know, it just, it seems so antithetical to the solving of the problem. It's like they're ignoring the actual problem because they have this great opportunity to print, you know, millions of tokens into thin air and sell them for real money. But that which does need money as a part of its foundation, you know, Oracle contracts, smart contract systems, and, you know, decentralized networks and exchanges. Yeah, yeah. These things will definitely be built on Bitcoin. Um, and in fact, I don't think they're as complicated or need as many pieces as many of these other systems are trying to create them. What they need is foundational, secure, totally neutral money. And that's the thing they don't have because they've issued a token with a centralized group trying to make absorbent amounts of capital or money off of it with the secondary excuse of oh well after i make billions of dollars off of this shit coin yeah sure i'll try to throw some money at it and build some social media stuff on top of it who wouldn't you know you're just saving face and making sure that your coins are still worth something anyway talk too long about all coins um so there's another there's another part and this is still towards the beginning of this piece um uh, here actually is the quote. Uh, Bitcoin serves as a neutral money that makes it more profitable for nations to coexist in peace rather than go to war. This results in improved relations between nations and promotes global trade. The division of nations as independent currencies. I think people don't realize or fail to realize how much that sets the world up for a contest of dominion or subservience. It sets up a game theory of nations necessarily being against each other, even though an open market and trade between those two nations makes, the, makes both nations vastly wealthier. The currency... The ability to manipulate the money puts them back at odds because the strength of one's currency is the trade deficit of the other. The relative strength or weakness of the monetary value is the inflows, is relational to the inflows or outflows of underlying capital in the economy of the country, which puts Basically, the entire world in this constant cold war of whose currency is going to be exported and whose is going to be imported. And then when the entire monetary system, when the monetary and banking system is permissioned 
that it's got walled gardens and owners in centralized institutions, it becomes yet again a means of control, of cheap, easy control that just needs some kind of surface-level propaganda to push out as to why country A, B, and C shouldn't be allowed or needs these capital controls, and the, the very power that can be exerted is, is the force behind whether or not everybody buys the propaganda. Literally, the, the power over the movement of capital in an international environment and the power to uh, the the power to print or have the currency that is the that is the hinge for so many other currencies it becomes impossible for that not to be a constant struggle of control of dominion and any attempted market peace that develops has this underbelly of national conflict but if Bitcoin can enter that environment, can truly hold its own, as a as a as I said in the last couple pieces, and uh, I think it was Nick Batia's piece that put it this way, and I really love this. I really love this framing. As a radically neutral money, and one that no nation can inflate, print, or control, then the cost of war goes up significantly, far, far greater than the current cost. The ability to go to war becomes an incredibly expensive and difficult task without immediate consequences to any fiat currency that is backed by whatever said Bitcoin is needed to go to war while the benefits of working together because the relative strength of the currency, if you're both using the same money and it's neutral to both parties, the profitability benefit of the nations trading and working together becomes that much greater, while the cost of conflict does the exact same increase. And the major mechanism for attempted dominion over the other, the manipulation of the money to try to freeze the other person's or control the other person's movement of capital or to try to get more out of, uh, out of your currency base or out of other uh, countries holding your currency as a reserve by printing and inflating and exporting that cost by confiscating wealth externally and bring it, bringing it internally to the country, that ability to corrupt the supply of money to, to steal capital, is gone. It's gone. It's simply not present anymore. And when fiat money's strength is based on its backing by real capital, by real Bitcoin, basically the rubber band, the time frame and the gap, the, the spread that a country will be able to manipulate its currency, whether it's a fiat dollar that's backed by Bitcoin or a, uh, a British pound that's backed by, backed by Bitcoin or Lyra, whatever it is, when, when it's reestablished that there's real money at the foundation of this structure and that the money derivatives built on top of it, that the national currencies are based on, just like with gold, how much they actually had in reserves and that its inflation is based on uh, the liabilities versus the actual capital available. When that reality is reestablished, the runway for manipulation 
for corruption and printing of a currency gets insanely short. Like right now we have like a 40, we've had like a 40 year runway of just manipulation, money printing or whatever, because there's no actual money behind anything. There's no backing behind any of it. It's a credit to pay back someone with someone else's credit. It's just a promise to pay back a promise to pay back a promise. It's, it, there's never mo any real money behind any of it anymore because the whole thing is debt. The whole monetary system of the world is on the greatest, most absurd experiment ever. And yes, I don't care how much someone says that this is ridiculous, I, this seems like the utter basic game theory of a sound, neutral money that no country can manipulate. There will be less war and more trade. Period. There just will be. It is a natural consequence of the inability to dominate via manipulation of the currency when everybody has an easy exit. Christine Lagarde said exactly this, that if people have an exit, they will use the exit. They have an escape, excuse me, an escape. Think about those words. She even knows it's a trap. She knows they've created a monetary prison for other nations so that they can dominion over them, so that they can control citizens, what they do, how they value things, and how much, how much value and how much of their lives and what they earn can be confiscated into their system, both for control and for explicit uh, distribution based on their policies and their goals for the world. They know. She knows Bitcoin is an escape, and as she says, if there's an escape, people will use it. Even she knows they won't be able to go to war as much. They will not be able to control other nations. They will not be able to continue to indebt a third of Africa and trap them into their monetary loop of liability to the modern nations. They are even looking at this and going, holy shit, we won't be able to go to war as much and we won't have as much control. It's crazy how important this is. It's crazy how important the money is and how, how, how poorly it is understood. Just the, the chasm of ignorance between the solution to all of our problems and people's understanding of it. And I'm not meaning, you know, Corey is very good to uh, uh, preface this piece that this isn't like a utopia, like war will never exist again and nations will never be in conflict. Obviously, that's idiotic. That's not what this is. It's about resetting the game theory, about changing the dynamics and the incentives just enough that everything trends toward lower conflict, more expensive conflict, simpler and lower cost security and defense, and more profitable and more beneficial mutual trade. You don't have to change those incentives much to have massive effect if you're doing it at the very base layer of society. That is what money is. And this will start to blend the world. This will be this will be globalization without the control and the the centralized failures of globalization. It will be globalization in a real, in a true sense, and in the context of freedom and individuality being able to be sustained. We won't lose those things in the the joining of all the economies around the world. And even more so is the 
the third world, the, the second, I don't even, is there even a second world? It's just like first and third. Why did we skip one? I don't know. But everybody outside of the modern world, the benefit of being able to get them out of the loop of liability in the IMF and the World Bank loans and that they're being trapped in this monetary this monetary net that has them constantly be eating eating the devaluation of the global reserve of the major central um modern currencies and it prevents capital accumulation it prevents sustained growth in savings in these economies to be able to break out of that and catch up and leapfrog all of the technological bullshit and problems and headaches that we've had to deal with in infrastructure go straight to cell phones never do dial up never do cable like to be able to leapfrog and jump a hundred years into the future for some of these countries and really finally try to get out uh, some of the low-cost high-tech infrastructure and be able to accumulate and secure capital without having to worry about a b or c authoritarian regime printing them into oblivion and not being subservient, not being subject to 20% international remittance fees because uh, you're just not the favorite country of the IMF or the uh, Bank of International Settlements. Like the, the amount of control that is given back to the individual, that is given back to the, the market to decide for itself, to choose its own path, to have an independent settlement system that is global and a neutral monetary base that is absent of politics and i don't mean in the sense that like obviously the social sphere always has politics but the protocol itself politics isn't a part of it it is not a government it is not a court like it is both of those things without either of those systems it is its own jurisdiction and its own set of rules, its own laws that people voluntarily adopt to secure the value that they have created in the world. You know, even Corey, Corey says in this piece, he says Bitcoin promotes, uh, you know, as, as we go forward into this, this new world, Bitcoin promotes political civility and a more peaceful world. The way you create conflict is creating power dynamics by putting someone in a position of power or authority over another person by creating a gap between them and then that power will be exercised it's like the stanford prison experiment you can take completely nice people and put them in a situation where the power between the individuals is has a huge gap between it where one person is incredibly powerful and one person has no power and you will create resentment and hate and and uh, panic in the person that has no power desperation and you will create arrogance entitlement and a sense of control and dominion in the person that does have power and you will create a horrible situation bitcoin promotes civility and it promotes a peaceful world because it levels out so many of the power dynamics of our current architecture, of, our, of, of the current organization of our systems. The power of money, the power to print money is the ultimate power in an economy. To remove that ultimate power, to put people 
in exactly the same position, in exactly the same level of control over their value. Whether they are the president of the United States, they're a dictator in some other country, whether they're a 10-year-old kid in New Guinea, the authority over what they own, what they save, and what they produce is exactly the same. Neither has even slightly different rules. In the eyes of Bitcoin, Bitcoin promotes a peaceful world because it removes the power of dominion from the people who have the power of dominion, and it provides an incredible tool of defense for the defenseless. And all of this, all of this ends up meaning, and this is kind of this is kind of Corey's last section where he talks about entrepreneurship and how the GDP growth and and lengthens people's time horizons. It, it lowers their time preference. They can look further into the future and they see a stable world to plan for. All of this allows people to focus, to actually look at the problems directly in front of them. And rather than playing the people and fighting the people around them, they know that the laws, that their ownership, that their, their productivity, the fruits of their labor are theirs, belong to them. And there is no person that they have to play. There's no referee they have to convince to allow that law, to allow that rule, that property right of theirs to, to be consistent. They don't have to spend years campaigning and working to convince a politician not to take away their property rights because they're not guaranteed, they're not part of the political system. And in doing so, the focus of the world becomes solving our problems. Rather than attacking each other, the only option left is to just fix stuff, is to make our own lives better, to see that there's actually a future here, that there's a foundation where we continue to organize. We actually have a shelling point and a way to maintain value for our kids, for our grandkids, for six generations out. We can plan for what the world might look like then because we know it can stay organized. These incentives can stay in place. The game theory can continue to make it harder and more expensive to hate and fight each other than it is to cooperate. And that vision, that, that ability to see that the possibility for something better could be planned for changes what you do today. It changes what I do tomorrow. It, it completely changes your perspective on the future and what is valuable and how much of a project, what kind of innovation and uh, structure that you can actually build and make happen in the world. It is exactly that which allows us to work together on the scale of hundreds, thousands, millions of people to accomplish a task together in any way to remove the barriers, to remove the divisions so that we stop hating each other for stupid, stupid reasons is a huge, makes a huge difference in the world. Especially when it gets to everyone, when it's an option for anyone in the world and that it works regardless of what the people around them tell them. It is not subject to some other politician's decision as to whether or not you should be able to use it. It works for everybody all the time. Nigeria outlawed Bitcoin. You can't use it. It is illegal. It, they have the highest per capita adoption of Bitcoin 
on the planet. If that is not a game changer, I don't know what you mean by that definition or by the word. That is exactly what that is. And this will create a new renaissance. Like that's what the printing press did. Like, like people, like the renaissance didn't just happen. Like it happened because of the flourishing of ideas, the spreading of ideas, the challenging of all of our old narratives of the world, the challenging of the power structures that were keeping people down, and the, the massive new exposure to millions of new human minds, the ability to alter, adapt, and expand on a concept, to expand on a productive idea, to expand on a piece of art, on a story. Imagine when that happens to value. Imagine when that happens to the very meaning of why we choose to do A in our life rather than B. Why the skills we choose to learn, the passions and projects we decide to actually see to the end. These are decisions about what we do with our lives, our whole lives, whether we become a doctor or an artist or a filmmaker or a podcaster or an engineer or a lightning developer. When you set that free, of course, of course, there's going to be a renaissance. If there's been something strapping that down, chasing people or making people chase a nominal gain rather than real meaning, because the value and the, the, the true value produced in the world has been separate from the monetary value. When those things are not aligned, you, you stagnate the whole world. You make, you make everybody chase things that aren't actually meaningful and aren't actually valuable because they're chasing the dollar. They're chasing the political return. What the political system and the monetary policy decides is where the money should be distributed because they are manipulating it. They're corrupting the whole idea of how to calculate what something is worth. How do you not have a renaissance when a lie of that magnitude about something that important is finally removed from the world. And that is the promise. That's the hope of a sound monetary system that can't be manipulated. That is what money means to society. And I know I've talked about all this stuff a hundred times on the show, but it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I can see somebody reading this piece or listening to this piece or whatever and going, oh, that's ridiculous. And I just don't think it's a stretch. I don't think, I think this is a perfectly reasonable future and I am building for it. I am, I am trying, I desperately want to, to take us there. If, if there is anything, if there is any part that I can play in that, that's why I read this crap all day, every day. Like, like this, Obviously, I, I wouldn't see this as unrealistic because how could I possibly spend every day, all day for three years, four years, ten years, really? I've just been engrossed in Bitcoin. How could I commit all that time to it if I thought this was hopeless? And even worse, the possible future if we don't move in this direction. The future dominated by surveillance states, by central banks that openly talk about how awful it would be if people had an escape from their digital currency. 
where we lose control of our bank account if we tweet the wrong thing and our social credit score goes down. Is that a power dynamic that you think creates peace and encourages cooperation between people? That makes the people with power feel like, you know, maybe they should let up a little bit? Maybe, maybe they should be restrained? And the people with no power who are completely subject to these systems, do you think they feel independent? Or do they feel like they walk through their life in control of nothing? That's not a future I want to be a part of. And honestly, it kind of feels like that's where we are today. Or at least, that's where we're headed. There's a lot of that, though. I feel like so many people feel like they're not even, they're just an observer in their lives. They're not even running things. That Their hopes and dreams are just kind of things that they hope and dream until the clock runs out. That They're totally victims of whatever price this business sets or whatever thing this politician does and so their only hope is to just become this piece of the political system and and maybe they can just get their vicious righteousness out in in their their feeling of that that nothing in their life matters well at least i can punish the people who did this to me and so the political system points them in a direction and says oh it was white straight men or it was a business owner or it was a corporation or it was Amazon or it was these people in this state and it was this across this border and it was these people in, you know, Muslims who think the wrong religion and they hate us for our freedoms and that political system can take that hate and that feeling of hopelessness and direct it as a weapon. That is not a world I want to live in, and I think there is a solution to this. There is a way to stop this cycle. And damn it, why wouldn't we try? Why wouldn't we try? If this is even slightly on the horizon, just like a 10% chance, what else do you aim at? The bright orange future is the only one. <laughs> we got to do it. We got to do it. I love I love the way he uh, he ends this and the bright orange future. I think there's actually like a there's a project uh, I believe I heard uh, some whims of uh, that have something to do with this. I don't want, I don't want to spoil it if it's a secret, but um, but he he says at the end you know that's that's why we're building for Bitcoiners. No one is going to make our bright orange future for us. We need to do it ourselves. The stakes are high, but where there is hope, there is a way. And I agree 100%. That's why I'm here. I think that's why we're all here. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I, this, is the, this is the world Bitcoin will build. Um, and I hope we get there. And I, I hope we all get to look back on this and go, holy shit, what a ride. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you to Fold, to Swan Bitcoin for Corey from Swan Bitcoin for writing this article. Um, to Shift Crypto and the BitBox, and for Bitcoin 2022, the best Bitcoin conference out there for supporting this show and making this possible so I can do this. I love this stuff, and I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. I am Guy Swan. This is Bitcoin Audible, and until next time, everybody, take it easy, guys.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.